warning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. My enemies are many. My equals are none. They fear me like a force of nature, a dealer in thunder and death. I say... I am Emperor! You're listening to the Emperor and the Emperor's Court. It's a celebration of mediocrity. All this energy calling me. Back where it comes from. It's such a crude attitude. It's back where it belongs. All the little kids growing up on the skids. We're going Cleveland Rocks. Cleveland Rocks. Jumping Jean Jean. Moving James Dean. We're going Cleveland Rocks. Cleveland Rocks. Of course, just as I go to begin recording, the computer decides to update itself. Ladies and gentlemen, from the shores of Lake Erie to the banks of the Cuyahoga, live from the war room here in Cleveland, Ohio, USA, for me, anyways. Uh, I had it set for autoplay, sorry. This is the Emperor's Court. Now, uh, obviously it is not live, at least not for you, it's recorded. Uh, today is the 21st of August, 2016. Uh, we're supposed to do a live show, however... Sorry, I had two sneezes there. <laughs> this show is starting off poorly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're not doing a live show later this evening. I'm recording it early in the afternoon. The reason being that both of my kids have contracted chicken pox, if you can believe it. Uh, both of them actually started getting popping up uh, late Thursday evening. And by Friday morning, when I had them to the doctor, we knew for sure we had chicken pox. So neither one of them are in the best of shape. Obviously, the littlest one is having the hardest time. So I will be... Tending to them. I'm recording this now while everybody's down for their afternoon naps. So my apologies for that, especially uh, now having not had a live show in three weeks because of uh, the convention and everything else going on. But I wanted to get something out there for you. Uh, for my patrons, I'll have three sets coming for you uh, within the next few days. I have one already in the can. I have two more to be recorded tomorrow uh, after I get home from both jobs as I'm back to work tomorrow. Hey, hey. Which causes me no little anxiety, by the way. And I'm not prone to it. But the idea of being away from work for two weeks, and you got to wonder what's been going on since you've been gone. What has rolled into my inbox? What is sitting on my uh, table to be completed when I go in? That and my schedule is changing, because Mystic Mim's work schedule has changed, which has had a ripple effect on everything from daycare all the way down. So a lot of reshuffling going on. Uh, I didn't get to do half the stuff I wanted to on this vacation for a variety of reasons, mainly because one thing after another kept coming up. Now, I suppose in one aspect, it's a good thing because I was able to handle most of it since I was on vacation. The drawback is that I did not have as much downtime as I normally do uh, to try and you know take a deep breath, recover, rejuvenate, and get ready for the 
final push to the end of the year. Not that it really makes much of a difference, since work continues to roll in one day to the next. One thing I kind of found interesting, um, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but to the end of the convention, usually when I go to the convention and I come home, I'm usually, I'm, I'm rested, I'm ready to go, I want to hit the ground running, I am motivated, I am inspired to do, you know, something show-related or something creative, or I can't wait to, you know, write, to record something. That didn't happen this year. It didn't. On my way home, I, there was, there was nothing. If anything, I was just tired. Tell you this Windows 10 update assistant, I want to shoot it, man. It's fucking annoying. But usually, I, I go to the the anime music video uh, competition, and every year, and I make the same comment to Mystic Mim and, and Lulu on occasion, uh, that uh, man, I really want to do this. This is something I can do. You know, I've got a couple. I got animes in my mind, and I've got you know the songs that'll work and the scenes, and it never actually happens. I never actually do it. I could, I should, I just don't. And a part of it is because of the time. So as I'm leaving the convention and headed home, I just sit in the car and there's just nothing running through my mind. There's there's no new ideas, nothing creative, nothing interesting that I want to do. It's just devoid. Now part of it is, you know, the letdown of this being the last convention we're going to go to. You know, and Oticon is is the one we went to, it was in Baltimore. Uh, starting next year, it moves to Washington, D.C. I've been to D.C. enough times to know that I have no interest in going there again, uh, especially on my vacation. And I think that a lot of people that went to this convention and are now moving to D.C. are in for a very rude awakening. And I know they've been fed quite a line by the people who run the convention that this is going to be better. It's a lot more space. It's a newer facility. It's going to be able to accommodate us. Yes, those things are true. What is left out, what is left unsaid, is that the convention center requires you to ride the DC Metro, which is an absolute disgrace. And anybody in the side of my voice who works in DC and has to take it on a daily basis can vouch for that. It doesn't take much you know, imagination, as you could just hop on the news and see on any particular day the entire metro is down because of service issues or because of strikes or what have you. I believe the president had to step in about a month ago just to try and get it fixed. That, And I believe I've read where they said they could take it completely offline. It would take two years to make all the necessary upgrades and repairs. On top of that is the extreme expense of the area. It is far more expensive, not only for your hotels, but also your food while you're in D.C. And convention goers by and large, usually go on a very shoestring budget. That is going to be much more difficult. Not to mention, uh, the availability of places isn't going to be the same as it was in Baltimore or any other city like that. D.C. was not designed with this in mind. Mm -mm. But it is a newer facility. It is bigger. And I know that the convention uh, uh, staff have always wanted to expand because back in, I think, 2012, they hit their cap at 35,000. And they weren't allowed to go any higher. The problem is the convention has gotten smaller every year since. Um, in fact, last year it was down significantly, like like seven or eight thousand people less. 
Now, there was a bump this year, although far less than their cap, uh, mainly because this was the final year in Baltimore after being there for like 15, 16 years. It's been there since I started going in 2000. So a lot of people kind of rolled in to kind of say farewell, and, and a lot of us that are not making the move to D.C. wanted to go there one last time. And I guess I was kind of disappointing about it because I expected there to be, I don't know, something. Uh, some kind of, of, of nostalgia, some kind of going away, some kind of of you know wrap up of all the year in you know all the years we had here and that isn't the case you know i was hoping to see some of the old panels some of the the really popular stuff that's been around like the uh, the uh, mystery anime theater 3000 well that didn't happen they didn't they did that once i think 3 or 4 years ago and that was it and it's been it's been gone for about a decade you know, the, the Otakon game show this year was very, uh, it was actually pretty threadbare. Packed house. You know, they, they fit about 1,000 people on that panel. But the guy running it had his two-year-old daughter there, and he had to stop halfway through and hand the mic off to some other guy who clearly didn't quite know what was going on. You know, they also announced that they would not be doing that again this year, or after or next year, they will not be uh, uh, continuing on the, the game show into something else. You know, so I, uh, the panels, by and large, were pretty uh, there wasn't a whole lot there for me. I like to laugh. I like funny stuff. And I granted there was some things there. Um, but uh, the I mean, one of the panels we went to was something about dogs and anime. Yeah, boring. I mean, a real snooze fest. Now, to be honest, we went in there mainly because we were trying to get seats for the game show because there wasn't going to be a room clear. So we kind of sat through that whole thing. Like, God, this is a panel. They gave these people a panel. You know, this is the number we went to, which was supposed to be the AMVs after dark. All right. As a, you know, anime music videos after dark. Now, when I read the description, I thought this meant, you know, using songs that had profanity in them or, you know, animes that had a little more blood and guts what I did not know and what Lulu and Mystic Mim and I had not realized is AMVs After Dark simply meant porn. Lots and lots of animated porn. Put two different songs. A couple of them were funny. But after about 20 minutes of suffering through this, and keep in mind, it's a full house. It's a full room in the AMV theater. Look, I'm not much into animated porn to begin with, and I sure as hell don't want to sit there surrounded by 300 other people I don't know in a dark room all watching this. Talk about awkward. So we got up and we left. You know, the we tried going to the, um, the uh, voice actors after dark, which we should know better, because other than when Richard Epcar did it some years ago, every year it devolves into the same thing. It's some kind of open mic bullshit because the stamp, the the guests that are brought in for this, they've done no preparation. They don't care. They just hand off the mic to people ask questions in the, in the most inappropriate and sexual contextual way they can. So this time we went by. We tried getting you know we were going to get in line for this, and we it was just everywhere. There was no staff to be found. There was no line. It was just one giant mob of people line up for an hour outside of this thing. We're like, all right, fuck it. So we just blew right by it. Completely ignored it. 
Uh, and the, the entire convention was a letdown. Now, it was good to get away. You know, it, it was nice to, I mean, the Hilton was, by and large, a, a, a great experience again. Um, we had one problem where we tried getting toilet paper at 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. And it took the lady at the front counter three, I'm sorry, an hour and a half before she finally figured out that she kept on sending it to the wrong room. She had transposed the numbers when she was sending it to her little minion. So we didn't actually get said toilet paper until 3.30 in the morning. The other kind of cool thing that was that was really nice is uh, um, Mystic Mim and Lulu had gone to the jacuzzi on the fourth floor. And there was this huge thunderstorm rolling in. I think it was uh, Sunday night, I think it was coming in. So I go out there. I recorded a bit of video on my phone. And there's this this patio that you can sit on the fourth floor and it sits basically right over center field in Camden Yards of the Orioles ballpark, you know, baseball ballpark, baseball ballpark. So we're sitting there, and the seats are great. You wouldn't even have to buy a ticket to watch the game if you didn't want to. And from from as far as the left to the far to the right, as you can see along the horizons, is dark blue, black cloud coming in. And you can see, I mean, you can feel the the temperature because it didn't get below ninety eight degrees the entire time we were there. So it gets it's really really hot, you know. Then all of a sudden it gets really really windy, and then everything goes still, real quiet, no wind, no birds, no nothing, and it's probably six six thirty at night. So I make it up there because they were I was in the room and and Mystic Mim had, had texted me and said what's going on. So I I go up there because you know, I'm a weather nut and I'm all about this. So I go up there and I sit on this metal chair, this metal beach chair. And I'm overlooking Camden Yards as this storm just rolls in and it gets closer and there's lightning everywhere and it's cool as all hell. Of course, the girls start to puss out because the lightning's really starting to, to come up here. So, And I'm sitting in a metal chair, stupid me. So they go inside. This dude who was in there working out, he comes outside and he wants to see it. I mean, you can look through the window next to us of the gym, but it's different to be outside. So he walks outside on the porch. So he takes the chair a little ways from me. So I talk, start talking to him. He's from Columbus, so another Ohio guy. But he's in there for a for a IBM conference or some such. So the girls go in because they're afraid. I stay out there until the storm is basically right on top of us. There's debris and, and, and papers and all that kind of stuff being blown onto the deck. And we're four floors up. So I'm like, all right, I've chanced fate enough. I go in. I hop in the elevator and I go up to the 18th floor because we had access to the uh, the private executive lounge. Because I'm cool like that. If you want to know, patrons, you can find out because um, I did a I I did a a show where I give my tips and tricks for going to conventions, and it doesn't matter which one; they work for pretty much everything. And I'll explain how I got into you know the executive suites. Anyway, suffice it to say, it's on the same side of the hotel on the 18th floor. So now I'm overlooking Camden Yards, just further up. No sooner, and I'm looking towards Camden Yards, and behind that is the Ravens Stadium, Baltimore Ravens, when there are two huge crashes of lightning, and they both hit light poles, or at least it looked like they were light poles, in the Ravens parking lot. Huge sparks, explosion, very, very loud. You know, immediately Lulu and and Mr. Mim are tweeting, or I'm sorry, texting me, saying, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I said, hear it? Fuck it. I saw it. Both of them. Never seen lightning strike anything before. Very cool. So I, I'm not gonna lie. I did back away from the uh, the window a little bit. <laughs> it was very loud. 
And this was, I don't know, several blocks away, but it was, it wasn't very neat. I mean, sparks and flames and everything else before it was doused. So I go back to the room. This is Sunday night. I know I'm kind of skipping around here, but we lost uh, uh, our TV because it was, you know, satellite. So it just popped on Netflix, which that didn't have, seem to have a problem running on Wi-Fi. We watched uh, uh, John Mulaney's new uh, special on there and we watched a couple other things. But, I mean, the convention, by and all, it was a very, very boring convention, which was kind of a, a downer. Um, there was, you know, quite a few people. The costumes... Uh, I, for a guy who doesn't cosplay, I do take um, a little bit, bit of pleasure in watching other people's creativity and watching what they're able to do with these costumes. And it's just, I, there was some that were just, you know, mind-blowing that, that you spent all this time and this money and you had this creativity to make it work. And but by and large, again, and I wonder if it was if the weather had a lot to do with it. Because like I said, it was 97, 98 the entire week. We got there on Wednesday. We left Monday afternoon. And it never dipped below 97. And that's not including the heat index. It was nasty. And of course, with that comes all the BO from those people who either don't know how to shower can't shower, don't actually have a room, or simply don't care. We had no problem getting into any restaurant we wanted to, though. There was basically no wait, which I've never experienced before. Even last year when they were down 7,000 people, I still expected, you know, there'd be wait times for restaurants. Nope. Nope. Got pretty much in and out anywhere we wanted. one residual thing that did work out uh, and I kind of knew this going in in fact the three of us did was that obviously with the the release and advent of Pokemon Go at an anime and gaming convention this of course was going to be a huge thing and it was and you could tell exactly around when the convention was going to start because what ended up happening was Wednesday there was a bunch of different Pokestops around where we were, including our hotel. No lures. Now, a lure is something that anybody who's playing the game can put on a Pokestop that makes Pokemon appear there for 30 minutes. And there was, I don't know, five or six just within, within my little screen of all the different hotels in our area on our block. By Thursday morning, you started seeing lures pretty consistently on a few of them. By Thursday night and Friday morning... There was a lure on every single Pokestop from our convention, or I'm sorry, from our hotel in 20 blocks in any direction, all the way to the Inner Harbor. It was nuts. And let me tell you, I made up all, there was some Pokemon I, I was, I was, you know, resolved to the, or, you know, resigned to the fact that I was never going to get. Like a Gyarados requires you to catch 400 Candies were points worth of Magikarp, which I think is like 101 Magikarp, and that's if you turn them all into candy. 101 fucking Magikarp. Well, unless I'm spending all day, every day, downtown Cleveland near Lake Erie, that's just not going to happen. And I didn't realize this at the time, but I came to, I did come to find out that different cities see different Pokemon appear all the time. Now, if you're in Cleveland, you're going to find Gastlys, you're going to find Drowsies, you're going to find Zubats, you're going to find, the closer you are to Lake Erie, you're going to find a bunch of different water Pokemon all the time. Okay? In Baltimore, it's a different story. In Baltimore, it's Zubats. 
fucking Zubats. Everywhere you go, day and night, doesn't make a difference. Everywhere. You use lure, you use incense, nothing but goddamn Zubats. So we finally went to the Inner Harbor. We were there for, in fact, I spent Thursday night, I was down there for about two hours. Because we had nothing going on. You know, the Matsuri that they ran for the, for the convention was an absolute disgrace. It was, I mean, half the tables weren't set up throughout the entire day. It was hotter than hell. People would come, look, and then go. The music was awful. There was nothing else going on. So I just walked around the Inner Harbor, and there was uh, over by where the, I don't know if you've ever been to Baltimore, but there's a Barnes & Noble there, and then there's a bunch of restaurants in this old powerhouse building. And there's got to be four or five Pokestops, one after another, and all kind of squished together. Well, people had hung lures on all five of them. There are, this is about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night now. There are hundreds of people walking up and down the boardwalk, walking, walking up and down the wharf, collecting Pokemon. It is nuts. And everybody, you can hear it on everybody's uh, phone. You can see it, all the flashes, all the, the video. You can hear the sound effects and the noise, the music. Folks, I got my 400 Magikarp in a little over an hour. On top of that, I up, I got friggin' Psyducks and Magikarp, got a Golduck, a Tentacruel. If it was a water Pokemon, by and large, with few exceptions, they all appeared there, and I got them all. I went up like two levels, which yeah, where I'm at is pretty difficult. I hatched a 10-kilometer egg just because all the walking we did. I, I, I hatched a bunch of other stuff, too, but... Kind of going to interject here for the patrons. Again, I did a, a Pokemon Go show for you guys that has all... And again, you can go a variety of places. YouTube's got a bunch of tips and tricks for it. The problem is not all of them are in one place. Most of them are, you know, here's five tips you don't know. Here's the top ten Pokemon you can't get. Here's an idea you can use in Eevee. Well, I put it all in one for you to download and listen to. And there's a couple other ones, especially... uh for like egg walking efficiency, you know, maximizing your experience, that kind of stuff. Things that I've I've figured out. Especially with the tracker not working. So it was nice to be able to play that because you didn't have to go anywhere, which wasn't which is good because again, the tracker is not in the game. It still doesn't work. So it doesn't really help at all. There's no point. But you didn't have to because everything came to you. So I created a whole bunch of Pokémon. Mystic Man probably did the best. She went from like level 12 to level 19 in a week. And, I mean, she would just sit in the room while we were just, you know, either taking a nap or we were, you know, killing time, watching the Olympics or what have you. And she just would put it on, leave the phone next to her on the, uh, on the desk while she was doing something else. And then, of course, it would vibrate and make a noise every time a Pokemon would show up, which was pretty frequently since the lures were running 24-7. Well, until the convention was over. By Sunday night, Monday morning, there was no lures anywhere because everybody had already left. That was interesting. So that was one huge benefit, I guess. But now that I'm going to start working downtown Cleveland again more than I have been, because I do telework quite a bit, I'm going to start working three days downtown for the next month or so. Uh, I'm sure I will now pick up all the other water Pokemon that did not appear in Baltimore. Problem is, good luck trying to find a fire or electric or rock, at least around here or there. You can't. They're nowhere to be found. Apparently, i got to fly to California and follow around that wildfire if I want to get any kind of Pokemon. We're flying across the wildfire. Who's a Charmander? All in all, I know I'm complaining about the convention, and I guess that's kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing. It did not... 
It, it just wasn't what I was hoping it would be. It was about as bland of a convention as you go to. There was nothing to separate this one than any other anime convention. <clears throat> the cool things like, you know, the game show and the, the anime mystery, you know, theater 3000, even the masquerade, all of it was very, I mean, the, that first two were, I mean, the first one wasn't there. The game show was a, a has been and won't appear anymore after this. And it was a mainstay of the convention. You know, because some of the other game shows were like Press Your Luck and all those. Those weren't there. I, there, I mean, just there was nothing to differentiate Otakon from anything else. And one thing I kind of realized, and, I, and I've said this before, and I guess it really hit home this year. And I was looking around, and I made the comment to Lulu, because Mystic Mim had gone back to the uh, the room a couple times, so it was me and her walking around late at night. And I'm looking around, I'm like, you know what? What strikes you as odd about the con-goers at this convention? And she's been looking around, and she looks at me and says, they're not young. I said, no, they're not. They're our age. People are in their, their late 20s, their 30s, their early 40s. And again, I think a lot of it was, was you know, veteran convention-goers of Otakon coming back for the one final year in Baltimore at the place it's been for 16 years, and then, you know, our final goodbye. And maybe that was it. But the thing I realized, it wasn't that, you know, that there's a lot younger people coming in, because that's the case. There are. And I'm not sure why that is. I would think that anime would really appeal to, and at least it, it certainly seemed to be, to a much younger crowd. And I wonder if, if it's not kind of slowing down, because at this convention, that's surely been the case, as far as, as far as attendance goes. But I didn't know any of them. I didn't know any of these anime that they're showing. All, I mean, granted, every year there's two or three new ones that everybody's kind of into. This year, it's all about the friggin' high school ones the last year or two. There's a high school one about volleyball. There's one about tennis. There's one about basketball. There's one about uh, a couple different ones about rock bands. And there's a girl rock band. And then there's one about swimming. And I didn't know any of it. I didn't follow any of it. The last anime I watched with any kind of regularity was Attack on Titan. And that was two years ago and I got halfway through it before I got sidetracked and never got back to it. The convention that would appeal to me, this type, and I did spend an inordinately amount of time there, was the game room. It should be a gaming convention. I would think PAX or, you know, something along those lines would be more my speed. Because that's what I'm, I'm current on, it's what I keep up on. And I mean, just, it's not that I don't like it, I don't have the time for it. And I don't know that I relate to the people who watch it anymore. And I, you know, I'll... I related to him as a threadbare way to begin with. But I'm not the diehards. And I haven't been in a long time. I liked going there because I like the area. It's nice to get away from, from home. It's six hours removed from everything you know. You know, part of it could be that it's just, again, in the back of my head, I know I've got to go to work on Monday and, and try and figure out everything that's been dropped on my inbox while I've been gone because I don't have confidence that's been taken care of. I'm the first one to get assigned to work other people's you know workloads when they're on vacation. Not confident that I got the same kind of uh, consideration. We'll find out. Less than a day from now. We'll find out. But then I get home from the convention and it was a pretty easy drive there and back. You know, traffic was not an issue going there. Traffic was not an issue coming back. 
Unfortunately, Siri was all but useless getting there. Sorry, Lulu. So we used uh, my Android phone, which got us there. The problem is it took us in the back way of Baltimore for reasons none of us know. And it took an extra hour to find our hotel from where it dropped us off. And it wasn't that the staff was rude. <laughs> there was no staff. I don't know. I'm guessing the convention was shorthanded this year. I'm guessing it had to be. Because there, there was a great need of staff in a lot of different areas throughout the convention that just they didn't have. Either they didn't think that far through, which I find odd, since these are problem areas they've always had and never seen to address. But of course, the convention you know staff is always quick to uh, point out, well, when we get to the new convention area where it's more room and that'll alleviate these problems. No, no, it won't. Because space wasn't the issue. The issue was the fact you had no one there to direct people where to line up. And when you start having shoving matches and arguments, none of which involved me, that's because of a lack of supervision. And it's the same case every year. And I'm sure that's not, you know, exclusive to Otakon. I'm sure other conventions had the same issue. One thing that was a big plus this year is that there was no line for pre-registration to get the badges. Not that it mattered to me, because unlike the rest of you peasants, I paid to have mine shipped to me. They've done that now for, I think, two years after the debacle of 2014. Then a debacle of 2015, even after they had people mail them out. Not this year. I think they allowed the majority of people to go ahead and mail them out. So we got ours. We walked right in Friday morning and on our way. At any rate, I have been watching some of the Olympics. I did watch the opening of the games, which I thought were awful. Um, and and a lot of that I put on Rio. Look, people go, wow, they don't have a whole lot of money. Then they shouldn't have asked to get the Olympics in the first place. If money was that tight on a developing nation, then getting the Olympics is not something they should have done. If the idea was to shine a very large spotlight and put them in the best light possible, if anything, the Rio games are worse than what we saw in Sochi, where when Sochi was simply corruption and incompetence, in Brazil it was simply incompetence. They ousted their president or prime minister or whatever the hell they are just months before the thing started. Most of the hotels and what have you weren't done. They've had to drain the pool, what, twice for the divers? Because it turned green and it smelled like a fart box. The Australian swim team wouldn't let their people get in there because they said it was the the various pools because it was like swimming through viscous fluid. I can't imagine how disgusting that is. One of the guys in New Zealand got held up at gunpoint and ransomed back to his team before it started, before the Olympics. But NBC deserves an even bigger finger point. Worst coverage I have never seen, and trust me, I watch a lot of the Olympics every year. I'm a big Olympics guy. I, look, I even watched the gold medal European or the uh, gold medal Olympic handball game today between Denmark and France. And I will tell you this, of the team handball I saw, it's if you don't know what it is, and if you're an American, you probably don't, 
It's if soccer and basketball had some weird, retarded, autistic child, that's what handball is. And then I watched the badminton finals between some guy from Malaysia and some guy from China. So yes, I do watch the Olympics. I did catch all but one of Michael Phelps' meets. I caught most of Ledecky's. I caught most of King's. I saw all but one of um, Simone Biles. But if you've watched the opening of the games, in 30 minutes, there were 18 minutes of commercials. And it has been that way the whole time. Rio is an hour ahead of the Eastern Time Zone, which is what I'm in. And yet, NBC tape delays everything until the prime time, 8 to 11 p.m. Their ratings are down like 34%. Now, they get around it saying, oh, yeah, well, people are streaming it live, so we're making up the ratings there. No shitbag, you're not. Because people aren't just streaming through year. They're streaming through a lot of other locations. Sky News, a lot of the European places, some of them are South American, because they're all carrying it live. Why you can't is beyond me. And it's commercial after commercial after commercial. That or they're trotting out these these commentators who don't know the sport, who don't know anything of the people in them, who don't know what's going on, and you go between either awkward silent or the most inane stupid comment that adds nothing to what you're watching or the coverage. And you just sit there scratching it saying, why the fuck would you say anything at all? I'd rather watch in silence than have some asshole like Bob Costas, who doesn't know any of these sports, trying to get up there and make some stupid-ass remark. I don't need you to try and increase the drama by making some moronic comment at the wrong time. Or the asshole who gets into a fight with, with Twitter because he says Simone's Biles' grandparents aren't her real parents. Well, they adopted her when she was a baby. So yeah, they're her parents. Fuck off. I'm not going to climb on the social justice warrior bandwagon here. I detest those people. But a lot of them had some very poignant parts about the Olympics. And I go into this more on my patron show that I did for sports overall. There's a lot that's been going on in sports in the last three weeks I wanted to cover. But I've been, I mean, America's running away with, with the medal count. And I, yeah, that's good. It's fantastic. I'm American. I'm all for that. You know, fuck the rest of the world. I get that. But I mean, there's anything you watched in the Olympics that was really momentous that you, that was must see TV. Okay. Take, you know, Michael Phelps and Ledecky out of it. What is it that you watched? What is it that you had to watch? What is it that was was drama, high drama and built up that you had to see? Now, I know it's different for Americans than it is for the rest of my, you know, foreign listener base. But I'm curious as to what it is you guys watched. What it is that that you wanted to see at the Olympics. Less comment. You know what? NBC needs to not have the Olympics anymore. Yeah, I know they paid some astronomical amount to actually get the rights to it. And fine. I don't know if they're going to recuperate their money on this one with, with, you know what, I take it back. I'm sure they will with the amount of ads they've run. Nobody can run that that amount of commercials and not make a profit. 
except for the fact that people stopped watching in giant droves. And I can't imagine why. But it bothers me. I'm watching the sports. I don't want to watch commercials. I want to watch it in real time. It was different when the stuff was over in Sochi or in Beijing. Because we're talking way out of different time zones. So that's going on when we're asleep. I get that. Not an hour ahead. I feel bad for the West Coast because they had it even worse. I miss it. It's going to... uh, It ends today. Unfortunately, the kids being sick, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to watch the closing of the games. And and trust me, after the, the, you know, letdown that the opening of the games was, I'm not saying you've got to be like, uh, you know, Beijing where they, you know, bankrupted the nation for it. Sochi's was was pretty good opening games. London's opening and closing was pretty good. I mean, the Russians, like I said, Sochi did fine if you ignore the fact that they kind of glossed over, you know, Stalin and communism and, you know, the slaughter of 60 million people. But yeah, we're haggling here. And you know, we, we there's got there's always one. We gotta gotta cover it. There's always one guy. Runs the Olympics, who ends up crapping himself in the middle of the race. So uh, this one here, uh, Olympic race walker poops himself, started bleeding, and still placed eighth. Violent mid-race gastrointestinal issues may have cost a French race walker Olympic gold. Yeah, that's right. Walker. But they didn't keep the heroic athlete from waiting, waddling across the finish line. On Friday, 38-year-old world record holder Johan Diniz maintained a healthy lead in the men's 50-kilometer walk final in Rio de Janeiro when his bowels suddenly turned on him. Race footage shows Diniz struggling to continue as blood appeared to run down the backs of his legs. While the cause of runner's diarrhea isn't fully understood, it is a fairly common occurrence among long-distance runners, according to the Mayo Clinic. At one point, Diniz stuffed a sponge in his shorts in an attempt to soak up the blood and feces. Despite being forced to stop several times, the gold medal favorite battled on. Around the 36-kilometer mark, however, he collapsed to the pavement, which an announcer quickly determined was the end of it. But bravely... Bravely? Look, I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve credit for finishing the race, but bravely? Daniels once again got back to his feet and with the encouragement of fans and fellow racers managed to cross the finish line in eighth place. Roughly six minutes behind the gold medalist, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, from Slovakia. Bravo to Daniels for a heroic but far from pretty performance. Credit where credit is due. He did finish the race. However, The guy took eighth. For the rest of you people who lost to the guy who couldn't stop crapping and bleeding himself, and yet you lost to that guy? He had to stop numerous times for minutes on end? And he still finished eighth out of a very crowded field. 
Yes, we had to cover the... We had to cover that. Because he pooped himself. And this wouldn't be the Empress Court if we had ignored it. <laughs> oh, well. On the uh, front for video games, because that kind of wraps up my uh, vacation. I had, had plans to actually go to uh, the Indians game last night. Uma Moore was in town uh, visiting. Uh, and I think she went over to Baron's and the Baroness's house to spend the night, but she was over here for a while last night to hang out. We were all supposed to go to the game last night, but unfortunately she got late into town, the kids being sick, and then it started raining, so we kind of scrapped it. But by and large, nothing else really happened on my vacation to go over with. So I want to get a couple of the... Uh, couple other things that have come up over the last week that we didn't really get to. Um, actually, okay, I actually had this from a different website, but it looks like uh, uh, Kalilu, our show contributor, has beat me to it by sending it in. This is from Gamasutra. Um, Blizzard is testing a new means of encouraging sportsmanship in Overwatch. Uh, they had talked about this, I believe, over the Gamescom uh, convention over this past weekend, I believe in Germany. But uh, and I read some of this, and I read, I watched a video where they were describing what it is they plan on doing with Heroes of the Storm, in regards to they're going to start rewarding people, kind of what they do in Overwatch, which was the player of the game or the play of the game, because that's what is plaguing Heroes of the Storm, not the unbalanced issues and everything else. God, how many patches in a row are they going to do something to kill the loss? I think it's like four patches or five patches in a row. He's been nerfed, nerfed, nerfed again, nerfed again. Well, fuck it. We'll nerf him a fifth time. I understand where the game is supposed to change with time. That game changes so much from one week to the next that it's simply becoming, it's just not fun to play anymore. And I realized that over this past week when I, when I actually did have time to play something, I didn't play anything. I just didn't have the interest. There's nothing right now that really grabs my attention. And I wonder if it's just because I'm in a, I'm in a funk myself in general. I don't know. It's possible. But there's just nothing out there of interest to me. And I was looking at No Man's Sky, and then I was watching uh, uh, Ash Show, who's a, um, uh, she's a writer for The Observer, The Washington Examiner. She's been Twitch, uh, streaming on Twitch. I was watching it, you know, quite a few hours of it. It looks boring as shit. It does. I mean, I played Star Command back in the day, or Star, was it Starlog? Starlog. For the Genesis. And that was probably the most similar thing I could find. In a way, I guess it's supposed to be like Wing Commander Privateer. Speaking of which, um, I believe Star Citizen was free this weekend. Didn't download it. I didn't. I did last time. A few months ago when they had the elf and they put her out there. What a waste of time. And I'm not the only one who put it out there. A lot of people were pissed. Because you didn't know what's going on. You couldn't figure out how to play it. Nothing worked. It's an alpha test. I get it. But at least have a tutorial of some kind put in there. For people, which was apparently most of us, who didn't know what we were doing. Dota War 3 looks pretty good. I am looking forward to that. That's a little ways away yet. All right, so back to this article. Blizzard tests new means of encouraging sportsmanship and Overwatch players. 
It's been general policy for online game developers to filter foul and sometimes insulting words that players may issue to each other. But Blizzard seems to be experimenting with new steps in their online shooter, Overwatch. Today, several players noticed that on the public test server, where Blizzard tests new patches before pushing them live to all other players, players type in the phrase, good game, or E-G-G-E-Z, or good game, easy game, and to game chat, have had their words replaced with an array of amusing, if sometimes patronizing, phrases. For context, GGEZ has been a veiled insult that shows up at the end of matches and games like Overwatch or League of Legends, usually meant to mock how well they played. However, since it's not erroneously offensive on the surface, it's hard to filter it or classify similar phrases as overly harmful. Here are a list of the phrases. Some just filter the phrases into more positive expressions, Others turn it into a joke back against the player. Wait a minute. So Blizzard is now censoring what we say? (laughs) You know, we should have seen this coming. When the social justice warriors won over the Tracer thing. And let's be honest, they did. By putting that stupid little pinup uh, alternate pose in there, that was well after they had taken to drumming. And I think they did try to save face. We, We covered that. But now the computer is going to erase what you say and put other stuff out there instead. Is the internet a nasty place sometimes? Yes, it is. So is the real world. Do I think it is as bad as some people say it is? No. (laughs) So these are the comments the computer will put in place if you type something that Blizzard doesn't like. Great game, everyone. Number two, it was an honor to play with you all. Thank you. Number three, good game. Best of luck to you all. Number four, I'm wrestling with some insecurity issues in my life, but thank you all for playing with me. Okay, well, if the idea is to be less insulting, that's pretty insulting. And it also makes fun of people who have anxiety issues. Look, if they want to go that route, if they want to play the social justice butter warriors, I can do the same. I can play a hashtag crusader. Let's do it. Number five, come on, Mom, one more game before you tuck me in. Oops, missed hell. Okay, so now we're insulting the age of our players. Got it. Number six, gee whiz, that was fun. Good playing. Number seven, well played. I salute you all. Number eight, I could really use a hug right now. Okay, so we're making fun of people again with anxiety or panic attack issues or people who have depression. Got it. Number nine, it's past my bedtime. Please don't tell my mommy. Again, making fun of our ages and our parents. Number 10, uh, I, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. 
Seeing the results in action is good for a laugh, but it's also an attempt by Blizzard to influence the behavior of Overwatch players and broach his new territory in terms of interpreting what is considered negative behavior in chat. Blizzard's filter seems to be a means of curbing the phrase without resorting to bans or punitive behavior involved in their reporting team. Of course, since the filter is only live in the public test realm at the moment, it's not guaranteed it'll show up in the next patch uh, when it goes live. Just kind of looking through the comments here, and a lot of people are pretty much saying the same thing. This is a stupid idea. What the hell is this supposed to accomplish? Somebody says, G-G-E-Z, and only their team can hear it. Good game, easy game. That's now considered so nasty, so beyond the pale, that they have put in no less... Then what, 15 different phrases? Now, I'm going to assume that these are also going to take the place of any kind of profanity or any kind of comment like you're a noob or you got owned or anything like that. It's amazing to me that people have survived the Internet for 20 years and not committed suicide across the board. Mass suicides. Mass. That's the only way this explains it. On the flip side, from The Verge, Ubisoft built a fart-smelling peripheral for South Park's new game. And I, I believe we mentioned it. But uh, South Park, the fractured butthole. Nauseous rift experience. So apparently it's a little gas mask you wear around your nose. In the upcoming South Park game, South Park, the fractured butthole, one of the key mechanics is farting, kind of like it was in The Stick of Truth. You can fart to fight, fart to move around, and fart just for fun. And so as part of their press tour for the game, publishers Ubisoft have built the, Nos- the Nosulus Rift, a mask-shaped peripheral that delivers fart smells straight into your nose as you play the game. To be clear, this is an actual functioning device, although Ubisoft says it's only available during convention- conventions like Gamescom. <laughs> oh... You can watch a polished video detailing the Noiseless Rift's creation above, but for a more detailed experience, check out the hands-on, and I don't care. Uh, the Noiseless Rift is genuinely disgusting to use. Salt Park, the fractured butthole, is being released December 6th for the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. Gamers will have to supply their own smells. Well, knowing people that play South Park games, it won't be hard for them to smell like farts. I'll be buying it. I th- I love the Stick of Truth. I thought it was a great game. That's one of the few games where I would have bought DLC for. I, I believe they said though, that they weren't going to. That uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were not in for the whole DLC thing. Some Final Fantasy 15 news. Although I don't care, I'd rather hear about Final Fantasy 7. 
last time I saw, I mean, last time I got any kind of update, I didn't like what I had seen. I was very concerned about it, but. Final Fantasy 15 hands on brave new direction or just pandering to fans from Ars Technica. Uh, this is again at Gamescom. It finally happened. A decade's worth of expectation fulfilled with a simple push of a button. Though I still can't believe it, and a recent delay hasn't helped. Final Fantasy XV, a game that's taken on near mythical status. Along the likes of The Last Guardian, Beyond Good and Evil 2, and Half-Life 3 is finally being released on November 29th. Selecting a new game has never been quite as satisfying before. Unfortunately for Square Enix, Final Fantasy XV is unlikely to live up to expectations. Its development has simply been too long and its predecessors too divisive to escape the crushing inevitability of a game that this much with this much hype and history behind it. Well, I would ask you, <laughs> how about No Man's uh, Sky is doing? <clears throat> Some will welcome Square Enix's take on the modern open-world RPG. Others will lust after the linear worlds of the PlayStation-era games, myself included. There will be the, well, no, it wasn't linear, you could still explore the world. There will be those for whom nothing is more satisfying than a three-hour grind through a maze-like dungeon, while others will hope for more accessibility to series that has sometimes tried but failed to attract new audiences. This is the author writing this. Disappointment strikes from the beginning. Rem- I just want to say the battle system that doesn't suck. Remember, the thrill that you felt as the train chucked towards Midgar in Final Fantasy VII and the surprise of being thrown straight into a battle with Cloud and his oversized sword? Or the astonishment as three soldiers clad in their Magitek armor turn towards the horizon and walk off into the distance? as the credits roll past in Final Fantasy VI. Or even the military march of Final Fantasy XIII, which I didn't play more than an hour of, its lightning stares down the barrel of a gun. The Final Fantasy series has never been one to shy away from an ostentatious opening, but whatever newfound restraint has been applied to Final Fantasy XV is misplaced. Its opening is at best dull, and at worst confusing. At least it looks pretty. Thus... Those hoping for a dramatic shift in storytelling will be disappointed too. From daddy issues to teenage angst to needlessly floppy hair, the opening cinematic, which you can see in its entirety here, I have not watched it, I was actually kind of hoping and holding out for the game in November, but by the looks of it, I'd, I'm not going to play it. I, I didn't want to play 13, I didn't like 12 for the very same reasons. Has all the hallmarks of a classic Final Fantasy melodrama with little of its trademark charm where text-based dialogue and pixelated sprites would let you fill in the gaps, voice acting and high-resolution art asserts uh, are far too revealing and let shaky writing slide. This is a series that has pushed for ever greater visual fidelity, without taking into account just how much of its highlights are any narrative flaws. And while it would be disingenuous to write off an entire story, having only absorbed the last first few hours of it, five to be precise, Something tells me Final Fantasy XV is not going to give that Last of Us a run for its money. And this kind of goes on and on and on. I'm looking at the screenshots here. I I guess this is their attempt, kind of, at Skyrim. See, the whole mythical proportions thing to me doesn't really fly because I stopped giving a shit about Square Enix a long time ago. You know, again, with Final Fantasy uh, 11, I mean, 10's the last one I really liked. And then it took a nosedive into the crapper. 
And obviously it got much more interesting when they announced Seven was coming back. Lord, I marked out with everybody else. But we'll be lucky to see it before next Christmas. A lot of people commenting on the video saying uh, the combat looks pretty shitty. Quote, as someone who played every Final Fantasy game up to 12, I really want to like and play this game. But for whatever reason, the character designs just don't appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, I know that boy bands are big in Japan, and that probably influenced the design, but still. You know what? I think that has to do a lot with the, with the reason I don't like the animes lately. is because that's what they're, what they're kind of you know, setting out the door. There's all these, these high school groups of, of four and five and six high school guys or sometimes women. And that doesn't really appeal to me. I mean, that's, you know, that's not the narrative I like. It's not what I watch. It's not what I listen to. I, I, I realize this is coming off as a decidedly more negative show than I probably prefer. I should go out of my way to find more positive stuff. The Prince Imperial has woken from his nap. It is now dawn here with his blanket. What's up, big man? You're really sleepy because why? You want to say something on the radio? Well, come here. Say hi. You need to get your chair? And your computer. I'm sorry. He he has his own keyboard and mouse. Well, I don't think you're sitting in for the whole show there, bud. I think your mom just stopped down here to get your medicine. He does have to take this awful medicine five times a day as this ugly liquid. And I'm sure it tastes awful. It smells terrible. I don't know, but I think the way that these games are, are designed now is the same way these animes are. And I just... And part of it is... Look, it's it, I get it's a Japanese RPG. Some of those things you just kind of have to, you kind of take, you accept it's part of the genre, but I think if and when I play anything, it's going to be the new Final Fantasy VII, when it's remade and brought out next year. Whether I like it or not, we'll see. But that's kind of what this looks like, at least from the screenshots I'm flipping through here. Well, there's a group there, it looks like four guys. The other thing, too, is it's increasingly less and less fantasy and more and more modern game, you know, guns and such. I don't know. I am looking forward to Eternal Crusade. I am looking forward to Dawn of War 3. You know, those are ones that are coming down the pipeline that I have an interest in. But they're Warhammer games. This I find interesting, too. Uh, I did hear about this. Uh, Baron had mentioned this. It's from Wire.com. Cards Against Humanity releases a Hillary and Trump expansion packs. The Cards Against Humanity vote for Trump and vote for Hillary Packs. You're getting your... What are you getting there, bud? Oh, he's getting his keyboard. But I got your keyboard up here. I'm using it. It goes to this computer. It goes to Ripley. See, sometimes when I play games at my desk, he'll grab the other uh, keyboard because it's also wireless and he'll sit next to me and he'll pretend to be playing with me, which in a lot of cases I prefer because half the guys that usually help me out in Heroes of the Storm, the ones that I'm paired with, you know, through solo queue are garbage. So I'd rather have a four-year-old's micro than most of the crap I see. And I will say this, for a guy who just turned four, what, two, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago. I, I have rarely seen someone play Angry Birds 
or a subway surfer to the success and effect that he has. It's like watching someone with the the hand-eye coordination of a fighter pilot. He is much faster and much better than me at those games on the iPad than than I will ever be. And he's only four. I got your keyboard up here. Nope. Did you get the Angry Birds movie? Oh, okay. Because I know he wanted to watch that. Yeah, I figured I'd record this while you were taking a nap so uh, we didn't have to do it tonight because he wants his chair. He has his own chair down here in the war room. It's his chair, his mouse, and his keyboard, which he's now carrying over here. If I had known, uh, but I would have uh, I would have had your uh, microphone set up. You know what? In fact, it, it is. Miss if you'll grab it and put it over in front of him, I can I can pot it up from here. You just got to set it up. It's McFree Radio. <laughs> it's got to turn the other way because the, the side is the one that's got to be facing him. There you go. There you go. Now. All right, I'll pot him up from here. There you go, Mick. You're live. Yep. So. My dad says unplayed server. He takes a turn for the Angry Birds. He takes a turn a lot. I do. T- I don't take. I don't take a lot of turns in Angry Birds. No, you. You don't. take all the turns in Angry Birds. Yeah. We all take turns. We do take turns, but he'll get like three stars. I'll get one, and I look at. It, I'll watch him shoot. Yeah, and, it's like, and I got one. I got all the shoots, and I, and I said the eggs, and the and the pig got them, and I didn't save the eggs. Why do you think the pigs take the eggs? Because, and I didn't got them. Say, I want the eggs, and the birds say. See, I don't know why the birds or why the the pigs take the eggs, but I could see why it would make them angry. That would see them angrier because that seeing them angry just cute. So, what other games do you like playing on the iPad? Because you're a big gamer, Michael. You like to play a lot of games. Yeah, I like them. What else do you play? Do you play Subway Surfer? Bye. <laughs> oh, don't say why. Do it. You're just typing away on that keyboard there, aren't you? Which I've used the uh, uh, switch to make sure it's not powered up. Um, I want to keep it down. You want to keep it down? I didn't know we were being allowed. But we're in the basement, so I don't think anybody can hear us. I think Aunt Lulu is still sleeping. Huh? I think your sister's sleeping, too. No? No. So, what's it like having chicken pox? You feeling any better? Maybe I feel warm. You feel warm? Well, you have been running a fever for three days. Whoa, what's that? That's an arrow key. You can move it? Yeah, I can move it. 
you can't move it and you play the game and you can't move it and go back. Yeah, that's what a lot of games lie to do. Use those keys to move your guy. Oh, and what that's what bad first-person uh, shooter players use instead of using, you know, E, D, W, and R. No, this is not here. This is, t- this is a keyboard you use and, and you can play some... You get distracted by the screen, but there's nothing going on. No. Nope. I'm saying my name. You are saying your name. You know what your game name will be? We'll call you Micmac for now. Yeah, I'm making my name. Yeah, your name is Micmac. (laughs) Okay, what I'm using... Hey, you've played Clash of Clans with me, where we collect our money and we build those soldiers. What's your favorite guy in Clash of Clans? Do you like the giants or the dragons? The dragons. The dragons? Yeah. Yeah. He's a dragon guy. Wait, I <laughs> And here comes the cat. Mr. Wim is trying to convince him to go watch Angry Birds. He's not having it. Hey, Dad. Yeah. I will stay down for a little bit. Hello, Minerva. Everybody's not coming downstairs. I will stay up for a little bit. So... Trying to record, <laughs> trying to record this to avoid this exact same thing has led to this exact same thing. The cat is now sitting on my cord. Micmac is now sitting in his chair. He's now crabbing to Mystic Mim because he has to go upstairs to watch Angry Birds, and he doesn't want to. And now I have a cat butt in my face. No, oh, cannot be coerced with chocolate chip cookies, mommy. Because I want my dad and my mom. Yeah, talk into your microphone. There you go. You don't have to touch it. You can just talk into it. Now, what about Subway Surfer? Subway you know what? Let me ask you this, Michael. Maybe the surfer just makes me feel weird. It makes you feel weird? Yeah, and the postman gave me the thing and... and I like that X. X more than button for down. X does mark the spot. It, yes, it X does mark the spot. And for the sound. Now, when you go to Chuck E. Cheese and Dave and Buster's, what games do you like playing? Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. It makes you win a prize. You do like winning prizes. Oh, you, you're rolling. What's your favorite game there, though? Um, the, the shooter. The one where we were shooting the pirates. You no. like you like air hockey. No silly. No silly. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah. I only spent like five bucks playing air hockey. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to Okay, upstairs. well, you can have it upstairs. All right, cookies was not enough to get him out of the chair. However, a dum-dum sucker was. Well, we appreciate the Prince Imperial Micmac for sitting in here for the last 10 minutes. If you didn't understand any of that, that's okay. We only understand every third word ourselves. But he is hilarious. (laughs) Bye, Mick. I'll see you in a while. Yes, I will put your keyboard back. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
Oh, uh, what a stitch. <laughs> All right, so where where were we? Uh, Wired. We were talking about Cards Against Humanity. So Cards Against Humanity, the foul-mouth sacrilegious card game, just released two America Votes expansion packs of 15 cards each. That's all. One contains a bunch of jokes about Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. The other is a slew of burns aimed at Donald Trump and the GOP. They both cost $4, and regardless of which candidate's likeness sells more, all proceeds will go to Clinton's campaign. Quote, we definitely took an editorial hand on this and are certainly against Trump. Shocking, says designer Max Temkin, Cards Against Humanity's creator. For the uninitiated, Cards Against Humanity asks players to pair irreverent fill-in-the-blank statements, uh, etc., with off, usually equally off-the-color responses. It's the dumbest game ever made, Temkin says, and requires only a hearty, sometimes sick, sense of humor from the people playing. Expansion packs add more color. Um, for instance, you can now complete the prompt, what has been making life difficult at the nudist colony with Jeb, with an exclamation point, which is in reference to Jeb Bush, who ran for president and didn't make it. Or there's the sad, dead pain and possibility of pairing. When you go to the polls on Tuesday, remember, a vote for me is a vote for, and then you can actually put in, actually voting for Donald Trump to be president of the United States. This should come as no surprise to anyone. This is me now talking. Uh, as the uh, creators of Cards Against Humanity are obviously extremely liberal. And that has always been the case. There's something delightfully poetic about Cards Against Humanity. A card game rooted in political incorrectness flexing itself against the Trump campaign. I think, quote, I think people have an obligation to participate in their society with the tools at their disposal. There's this great eth- uh, ethic programmers say, which is programmers protest by writing code. Don't go yell at someone. Use your proprietary tools to do something and address it, says Temkin, who worked as a political organizer for the Democratic campaigns for years prior to founding the Cards Against Humanity franchise. He adds, he adds that the Cards team has for years considered weaving Trump jokes into the game, but ultimately decided to follow the same advice your parents probably gave you about bullies just ignore them me personally I've, now me speaking I found this deliciously ironic considering Hillary Clinton has made her life bullying people into silence especially all the women who were accusing her husband of various things how she bullied threatened them into silence but of course we're going to yell at Trump got it and yes Minerva I will continue to pick you up and put you back on the ground you don't be long up here <laughs> She is not to be deterred. She comes right back up here. And now she is rolling over because she wants her belly rubbed. Here, all right, I will rub your belly while I talk. This has been the most disjointed show we've done in quite some time. Don't lay on the board. She's now swipe. Okay, that's why. She brought me a hair tie. Swipe one of Lulu's hair ties. She wants me to fling it across the room so she can chase it. (sighs) All right, folks, you've got a little bit of everything so far. You've gotten... Uh, Mystic Mim, you've gotten Micmac, you've gotten Minerva. We've had Windows updates interfering. This has been quite the show. Temkin says, there's now a moral obligation to act against Trump. You wouldn't believe this storyline if you read it in a comic book. I have 
kind of tried going away from making any more political comments as we head into uh, the the end game here, the last two months of well, three months really of the of the election cycle. Um, you know what? And I think I'm going to stick to that for now. I'm, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to wait till the debates start. I will say that two weeks ago, they were saying all the polls showed that Clinton was ahead by 12 points and 14 points and 13 points. And in the last two days, the Rasmussen polls come out and the, you know, Credit Paddock polls come out and they're showing Clinton by ahead by one. By ahead by 1.8. I think the best I've seen is Clinton ahead by two. I don't think things are near as clear-cut as people would want. I think what has happened in Louisiana and Milwaukee over the last week and a half has really opened a lot of people's eyes with the way various parties have acted or in some cases not acted. You know what? I'm, I'm going to hold off for now. Mainly because I want the panel here when we start to go over that. And it's going to be a while yet because uh, Bass now has to work on Sundays. She's trying to you know work her way out of that schedule so she can make it for the show. Um, Hawkeye is now better. He is actually in Iowa for this week and next. Um, Lulu is sleeping as she's trying to catch up on lost sleep because this last few days we've all been pitching it with both kids. And that's the best, you know, the Prince Imperial has sounded in days. So I'm going to wait until we have more people here to kind of go through that. At right now, do I think Donald Trump wins? No. There's way too much rate against him. There just isn't. I just don't see him being able to fight off everything. At the same time, I don't know how accurate the polls really are when you think about it. I think a lot of people are willing to support him and are willing to go and vote for Trump when they're in the polling booth and no one can see who they're voting for except themselves and God where they're not going to be ridiculed and dragged through the street and have their faces put on TV and screamed at by their betters for having the audacity to vote for Donald Trump and public. It's a lot different saying, I'm going to support this person, knowing you're going to get nothing but heaped on scorn from those who think they know better than you do or think that they're a better person than you are, as opposed to being able to do it when no one else can see you and then, as it should be, where your vote is between you and you alone. We'll see. All right, last article of the day I want to get to. Uh, this is back to Pokemon here from geek.com. And I did not know that Pokemon Go was coming out for the 3DS, although I, I guess I should have known that. Um considering that it's a Nintendo property, although I believe they licensed it out to Leontic. Um I, I do know that Sun and Moon came out. I don't know how popular that was, but I would assume, like every other Pokemon game, it went, did very well. Quo, okay, here we go. The gaming community seems to be split on whether Nintendo should dump its hardware business and focus entirely on making games. 
uh, kind of going the Sega and Atari route. Now, Geek.com says they shouldn't, but I digress. And with the very successful launch of Pokemon Go on smartphones recently, that surely adds weight to the argument Nintendo doesn't need a hardware business. But Nintendo doesn't agree, and it has a fresh sales data to back up why. All right, well, first, hang on. For starters, Nintendo has very little to do with, with Pokemon Go. They license it all out to Niantic. And basically all Niantic did was took a previous game they had that had the whole setup and grabbed the Pokemon on top of it. Look it up. Even Nintendo came out and said that, in fact, we covered that story, where they're, they're not actually seeing a lot of the revenue that Niantic is making for Pokemon Go directly. Pokemon Go launched on July 6th, and millions of gamers, almost, what, 100 million now, have downloaded the app and started playing. Bad news for 3DS sales, right? Actually, dead wrong. Sales of 3DS hardware in the U.S. for July increased by 80%, according to Nintendo, and they believe Pokemon Go was a big part of the reason why. There aren't getting specific with the sales data, but the hardware sales increase includes all versions of 3DS as well as the 2DS. Alongside Pokemon Go, other possible reasons for the huge bump in sales include the release of Monster Hunter Generations and a price drop for the 2DS to 80 bucks. Now, you can argue the 2DS price drop could have had the biggest impact on sales, and I'd agree if it had happened in July, but it wasn't and hasn't been done. It was done in May. When Monster Hunter Generations launched in Japan late last year as Monster Hunter X, there was a huge increase in hardware sales, especially the new 3DS and the 3DS XL models. But it's safe to assume it's, it's uh, caused a sales bump in the U.S. as well but nowhere near worth 80%. Pokemon Go clearly played a role in the increased sales. If you think about it, Nintendo likely anticipated this would be the case and planned the releases around it to take full advantage. They made the classic Pokemon games, red, blue, green, and yellow, available through the Virtual Console earlier this year. Then we had Pokemon Go launch, and next up is the release of Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon on November 18th. And then, to cap off the Pokemon releases... Nintendo is expected to have a new Pokemon game, or two, available for the Nintendo NX before September of next year. So, the next time someone suggests Nintendo should dump its hardware business, especially if they mention the success of Pokemon Go, you might want to remind them of what happened to 3DS sales during the month of July in 2016. Okay. Um, where to go with this so basically you're taking the sales numbers of one specific month and using that as a excuse to have a broad answer which is because they had one good month of sales therefore they should continue to make hardware hmm. well by that logic I would say the Wii and the Wii U over a much longer period of time would argue the opposite. Now, maybe Nintendo should stick with handhelds. That's fine. If they stuck with handheld games and never made another console, I don't think that many people would care. If they then turned around and used and started doing what uh, Sega did and Atari did and license out their IPs to games like Smash Brothers and the rest for PlayStation and for Xbox, because it really is a two-horse race. You have PlayStation 4 way in the lead Xbox One, quite a ways back, 
And then the Wii U never got out of the gate. If it was the, if we're talking horses in a horse race, it tried getting out of the gate, broke two of its legs, got, you know, knocked down, and then they put it out of its misery and shot it in the back of the head, three feet from the gate. That's the Wii U. Now, I know we've actually covered this before where Nintendo has so much operating capital and so much saved up that they could go ahead and suffer through several failed launches of consoles before they really get into uh, trouble financially. Well, the Wii U certainly counts as one. I would say the last three years of Wii's existence was another. And just as I said many, many years ago, if you listen to the show way back when, I said the Wii would not be successful after the first couple of years because developers would not want to have to release a game that they could put on the, uh, the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, which, at least coding-wise, wasn't all that different, versus having to redesign an entirely different game on an entirely different format to be used with a completely different controller. That's neither here nor there. Pokemon Go, financially, so far, has been a success. As a game, I think that it has missed its potential a great deal. I don't know if it's because the company bit off more than it can chew, or if we're just talking a bunch of incompetent programmers. I'm not sure which. When it comes to Niantic. That's something we've been over before. I'm sure Sun and Moon will do very well come November 18th, especially with the way that Pokemon has been revitalized, being this being the 20th year, and with Pokemon Go coming out, and everybody playing it, that kind of thing. That, that remains to be seen. We'll find out. But if Nintendo went to just releasing software and games to their systems, I, I, again, I don't think that anybody would bat an eye. I don't think a lot of people would be upset about it. I mean, Sega has certainly been able to to thrive in that uh, that environment. If you think about it, the last successful Sega console was the Genesis. The Dreamcast, the, the, the Sega CD, the... I know there's one there, another CD one that I, I'm forgetting. They just, they didn't, even the mattress system only did okay. The Genesis did, did the best. Battle. Well, trying to wrap up the show with uh, kind of a look towards the future. Next Sunday, I assume everything, at least going forward as we head in near the holidays a few months from now, we should be pretty much back on schedule. I don't know if we'll have to adjust the timing of the show on Sunday, whether we'll have to move it up an hour. Um, that remains to be seen. We may have to do that. Only because my schedule on Monday mornings and for really the rest of during the week is going to be so drastically changing. It's something I'm going to discuss with the others uh, as time permits. Once everybody's actually back in Cleveland and has time. I mean, Bast alone has put in, I think, almost 60, 70 hours this past week on her new job. Hawkeye, I believe, is still unemployed. So other than getting him up to Cleveland, or up to at least this part of Cleveland, 
I know his availability is clear. <laughs> Minerva, get off the board. Get off the board. You're going to mix something up here. I won't be able to fix it. She's very uh, attention demanding at the moment. Now she's pouting like a petulant child sitting next to me. You know you're not allowed on the on the TV or the table when we're doing this. Sometimes she'll jump up on the uh, TV stand and swipe at the mouse, the little cursor. Panda patoot. Okay. Um, I think I'm wrap this thing up. Well, you got an hour and a half out of me, which was more than I thought I was going to be able to offer. And again, my apologies for it not being a live show, it being recorded. Um, we should return hopefully on the 28th of August live. Patrons start looking as early as maybe possibly tomorrow, tonight. But if not, I will definitely lo- start looking up Monday. Uh, you'll be able to go ahead and start downloading the first of three, probably at least two of them, of uh, the three ones that I've done for the month of August for patrons. One will be about sports, one's going to be about Pokemon Go, and one will be about conventions, uh, going to conventions, and the tips and tricks that I've learned over the many years of doing so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our show contributor, Kalilu, for sending in the articles we used this evening. Uh, I want to thank Nomewise, who runs AlphaGeekRadio.com, who uh, hosts us. We appreciate that. Um, the patron money that you guys contribute goes to paying those server fees every single month. If you yourself are interested in giving it a go here as a video or a podcast, please go to AlphaGeekRadio.com and learn all the things that they could do for you. Uh, I want to thank our uh, social media director, that being Scrub Hubby, who keeps track of the Facebook page, which you should join on Facebook and on Twitter, at Emperor's Court, where most of our breaking news and comments about the show are placed. Both places. Please go and look. Um, that's pretty much it for the thank yous. I want to thank you, Lister, for tuning in. Folks, if it was not for you, we would not be doing this. Well, I appreciate that. My appreciation to... Uh, Mick Mac for sitting in for the 10 minutes today and co-hosting the show with me, despite the fact that I was doing this during his nap time to avoid that kind of uh, interruption, but it's always funny to have him sit in and hear his opinions on games, me being silly and taking turns playing Angry Birds. <laughs> uh, one day when we have a video cast going, you'll be able to see him, and, and it's funny, actually, it's funny to see him in the hero. It's the hands going a mile a minute and kind of gesturing in the air, you know, hitting on the keyboards, trying to pretend to do something on the computer. He very much wants to participate with us when we're playing games and such. It's very fun. All right, folks, uh, that's pretty much everything. Bad manners are better than no manners at all. Minerva, get off the table. So long, everybody. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.